I mean, I guess if you're lactose intolerant, but then we'll have to make some ice cream, especially for you. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting day. I will say also about July 3rd, we are going to make, <laughs> I love saying this, for the first time ever in my ministry as a pastor or youth pastor, ever in my ministry, I'm going to do something I've never done before on July 3rd. So just make sure you're here for that, if that raises any curiosity. Um, I, uh, it's that time of year too, right? Graduation time. Uh, you guys have noticed the, uh, our graduates in the back have some tables set up. Stop by and take a look at those. But, uh, you know, and I've been thinking about Father's Day. It's coming up soon. They're asking, Teresa says, what do you want to do for Father's Day? Um, well, really what would be awesome is like to go home and eat a steak and take a nap. Like, isn't that, that's Father's Day. So uh, hopefully that's going to happen on Father's Day. Yeah, we're not, we don't need to go out to eat. We don't need, like, if somebody could rub my feet for a little while, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that won't happen, but. Uh, in honor of Father's Day, I thought I'd spend the next few weeks just with some dad jokes. Is that okay? Dad jokes? I've, I found some really good ones this time. So um, you heard why the football coach went to the bank, right? To get his quarterback. You didn't? <laughs> Dad, listen, they're dad jokes. They're dad jokes. Uh, in our house, we always say, when somebody says, you know, anything hurts, my leg hurts, my arm hurts, well, does your face hurt? Because it's killing me. Like, I don't know uh, where or why, but that's uh, obviously our dad joke. Um, <laughs> here's another one. Why can't a leopard hide? Because he's always spotted. <laughs> yeah? No? That one. Okay. I got a couple more. Uh, this really sounds like a dad joke. Uh, you know, air used to be free at the gas station. It really did. It used to be free, like they had air free. Uh, now it costs $2.50. Do you want to know why? Inflation. <laughs> uh <-huh>. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a good one. All right, one more, one more. Uh, did you hear about the uh, claustrophobic astronaut? Uh, he just wanted a little more space. <laughs> okay, 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 that's enough. Uh, Father's Day is coming up, so uh, I'll, come, I'll come with some more. I'll see if I can find some more good dad jokes next time. But hey, uh, today's a very special day in the church. And Bruno mentioned it before, our music has been in line with that. Today is the day of Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a, it's a very special day in the church. Pentecost uh, designates 50 days after Passover. I don't know if you knew that, uh, which was for the Israelites, for the Jews, a feast day. Uh, it's also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And it was on this day, on Pentecost Sunday, in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 followers of Jesus who were gathered in the upper room who had been praying for the Holy Spirit. They didn't know exactly what they were praying for. Jesus, when he left, had promised a helper. He said, a paraclete, something, someone is coming who's going to help you. And so they went and they prayed, and they spent that time praying. And we talked last week about um, having this time during this week to enter a time of prayer to um, 
maybe spend some time fasting. I did. I, I hope you did as well. We're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're praying for um, a special revival. And I believe with all my heart that God is ready to do something in our church. I believe God's ready to do something in our country and in our city. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I know that he wants that. But in our church specifically, uh, God said it's time. Several, uh, a couple months ago now, he said it's time. It's time, it's, it's time to start this thing. And uh, I, I wonder if today is a day that kind of launches that for us. So, uh, you know, and this is interesting about the day of Pentecost. When we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, the whole world celebrates with us, right? Even if they don't know what it is. We celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas and everybody celebrates. At Easter, we celebrate his resurrection. And again, the whole world celebrates. It's a very special day on the Easter calendar. But the day of Pentecost, hardly anyone realizes the importance of it. Or even that today is the day of Pentecost. But I wanted to take some time and speak about this today because Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Pentecost is the day that the church was founded and God has given us the wonderful opportunity to be a part of this thing that he calls the church. I was trying to relate something as exciting as the day of Pentecost. I, I went back to July 12th in 1990. Uh, quite some time ago now. July 12th, 1990. That was the day that I turned 16. Turned 16, July 12th, 1990. And I can, I can remember, I was so excited, eager to get my driver's license, waiting for it. Couldn't wait for the day. On that Thursday, I was going to get my driver's license. It was going to be exciting. Uh, and back then, you didn't have to schedule your driver's license appointments months in advance. Like, you could just go to uh, up there and get it. So that afternoon, after, um, you know, I'd slept in, it was a great day, went to the, uh, the DPS office, got in there. I had already, um, I took my test. That was all good. Went to do the driving portion, driving, and we had gone about 200 yards, no joke, and the guy says, okay, turn around and go back. <laughs> what? What do you mean turn around? We just started the drive. Like, I already passed. Awesome. He says, oh no, you failed. <laughs> go back and park. And I was devastated because I, I'd waited in anticipation. I was so excited about this day, and I failed my test. Um, because apparently I had not completely stopped <laughs> at a stop sign. Uh, and I was, I didn't even notice that I had done it. And I was, okay, went back. Um, and then because I, it was that afternoon and you have, there's a certain waiting time before you can retake it. I had to wait till Monday. So I had to go through the whole weekend without my driver's license. Everybody's like, oh, you're 16. You got your driver's license. Well, no, here's the story. So the point being it was something that I was so excited about. I looked forward to with eager anticipation. It was a life-changing thing for me. And I know that even now, my oldest, uh, Morgan, who's 15, she's looking forward to December 1st when her birthday comes and she wants to get her driver's license and she can't wait to have that license and the freedom that she hopes comes with that. <laughs> life-changing. And today I want to talk about that. Another life-changing day uh, event that in the book of Acts we know as Pentecost. So it's going to be a lengthy scripture today. It's going to be on the screen. It's also in the church's app. If you go there, the church app, you can find that. And uh, the notes for today's message will be in there. Uh, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read out of that. When the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. This is awesome. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And here it is, utterly amazed, and then now verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Fellow Israelites, verse 22, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Therefore, verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. Here's that word again. We've been talking about it the last few weeks. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I don't know about you, but just imagine the, the excitement on that first day of Pentecost. I always chuckle a little bit when I get to the part where it, they say, uh, talk about them being drunk. They assume that they're drunk. It tells you something about the excitement of that day. There was, there was joy that was prevailing that day. On the day of Pentecost, the early Christians found, they discovered that joy unspeakable that the Bible talks about in the church of Jesus Christ. Again and again, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So as I get into the meat of it, I just want to give you a few um, tidbits about the day of Pentecost and what it is. The, it was a feast. The feast of Pentecost is one of three 
annual Old Testament celebrations. And during these three celebrations, all the men of Israel would bring their families to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. It was a time that the ancient Jews would all come together from all around the world and, and come to Jerusalem to their homeland. And they would offer sacrifice to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now Pentecost was a harvest festival and it's interesting the timing because it came as a penta it came 50 days after the grain harvest it was 50 days after the uh, Passover which was the first fruits and they would they would harvest the uh, I mean excuse me sacrifice the first fruits or give the first fruits as an offering to um, to God during this and they would offer it with joy and thanksgiving. And then they would recite Deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 3 through 10. You can read through that as they came in. God's timing for this is really interesting because Jesus had just died during the time of the Passover. The Passover was the time they would sacrifice a lamb. Remember sacrificing the lamb in, when they were slaves in Egypt. You can remember, go all the way back to that. And they put the blood on the, the doorpost. And the angel passed over and, uh, the, the house of those who had done that. It was a sacrifice of the, of the sheep, the lamb, that was able to uh, save them from their sins. And so they commemorated that by having that Passover celebration every year, annually. And they would sacrifice the lamb. And so Jesus died during that time as a symbol that it was the, he was the last sacrifice that would ever be needed. Well, for the Jewish calendar, 50 days after their Passover, which is now our Easter, 50 days later, they would celebrate and have this time of, of a celebration of the grain harvest. They would come together and in Deuteronomy 26, they would read that that passage of scripture and it was a time of of something it was an initiation of these people into God's church it was the birth of the church it was the start of something new and and there were 120 believers who had gathered after Jesus ascended and they had been praying for these 50 days waiting for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit and they were all touched by the Spirit of God. And, and they were honestly the first of a vast multitude, millions upon millions of people who received the touch of the Spirit. And we are part of that lineage today because of what happened on the day of Pentecost to that 120 in the upper room over 2,000 years ago. And the, the day of Pentecost is not an accident that God chose this. Because we're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 26. The first words of the Old Testament worshiper when they would enter into the temple or the, the um, tabernacle for the day of Pentecost, for the Pentecost service, the, the very first words they would say are these. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. I don't know if that means anything to you. I declare today that I have entered into the promised land. I declare today that I have entered into everything that God has for me. I declare today that I'm entering into a new thing. So the day of Pentecost was very wisely chosen by God because it was that day that they were entering into something new and different. Just as the worshipers who were celebrating that so many years ago were entering into the promised land that was given to them by God. It's a different promised land now though. 
He had given them the land of Israel. Now he's giving the kingdom of God. We have access to that. We've talked about that so much. That's what Jesus came to teach us. You have access to the kingdom of God. Now Deuteronomy 26.3 has a double meaning. Not only for them entering into what God has for them, but to us, we are entering into something new. It's super interesting. Entering into the fullness of of all of the good things that the Lord our God has chosen for us. That's the day of Pentecost. That's, that's exciting. Isn't it cool how God has woven together his promises to the ancient Israelites with the Holy Spirit and what Jesus brought to us? Like he's weaving those things together. All right, so I've got really only two things. Two things that I'm gonna talk about today. And the first is prayer. The first is prayer, and it's so great that this year we've taken on, after COVID, this idea that we need to re-engage. We need to re-engage. We need to re-engage with each other. We need to re-engage with the church. We need to re-engage with God. It's the word that God has given us for this year. And here it says, they were all, verse one, they were all together in one place. They had come together to pray. They were there to uh, share in prayer. They were waiting with anticipation to see what God might do. They had come together. They, They gathered together often. If you read in verse 46, it says they continued to meet in the temple courts. They were together. Jim Cimbala, if you're familiar with him, wrote a book years ago called Fresh Wind and Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And it was just about their prayer service. And he says about that, that the barometer of a church is who comes to prayer meeting. (laughs) They were sharing together, sharing meals together, eagerly waiting to see what God was going to do. And, you know, we have, we, because our prayer meeting wasn't, super well attended we kind of backed off and thought well let's we'll do it less often maybe more people would want to come and we do prayer meeting right now on the third Thursday every month and we, I mean if you're on our text thread or the email we send those things out it's the barometer of a church we want so much for our church I, I invite you to come and engage with us as we pray on those Thursday nights and you know we don't just pray to a I think about the, um, we were talking about not too long ago that when the pagan worshiper would enter the pagan temple, they had a gong set up. When Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only like a resounding gong. He was making reference to that gong that a a large, big, large symbol they had at, at the front of the pagan doors. And when they would walk in, they would gong that symbol to wake their God up. So he'd be, Attentive to them, like, hey, here I come. So, like a doorbell, gong, wake up. That was, that's not who we're praying to. We're praying to a alive and active God, one who uh, is interested in us, who is invested in us, who wants the most for us. That's who we're praying to. And the cool thing about that is our prayers move God. God isn't just a static being who set the world in motion and backed off. He's engaged with us. 
And our prayers will move, read through the scriptures and you'll see that. I, I have just a couple that I w- want to point out. First John chapter 5. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. If, you, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. He hears us and he will do those things. And in Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. He hears our prayers. Our prayers move God. And if we are sincere about unleashing the Holy Spirit in our midst, he will honor that prayer because that is in line and in accordance with his will for us I mean I can tell you now this isn't one of those things that you have to go and say like do I need to move or do I need to stay or do I need to switch jobs I need to pray and seek the will of God God's will for all of us is his spirit to be with us and unleashed in our midst that's what he desires so if we make that prayer he will be moved that's the first thing is prayer the second thing is I just want to talk just a minute about what's the point why do we need the Holy Spirit? Like, what is he good for? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say one of the things is to communicate the love of God. To communicate the love of God. I believe that the theme of Pentecost, believe it or not, I believe the theme is communication. Uh, think about it the scripture says that they spoke in other tongues as the spirit enabled them and that those who were around heard it in their own language now this is this is very interesting and intriguing to me Um, I think that I think we misunderstand speaking in tongues often and I I think that things that we we don't understand maybe we we stay away from they had a problem with communications because they had come from many different nations you read the long list of nations and you realize that a language barrier existed but God needed to communicate to all of these people the message in their own language so he performed a miracle and he gave the apostles the gift of tongues so they could what was the point so they could communicate his message it was with the point. But also, if you look, it says that people heard in their own language. I believe tongues is probably as much a gift to the hearer as the speaker because they heard in their own language. It's a super interesting and uh, miraculous event that took place right there. I don't know if you've been to other countries or other Context that your language was not the primary language spoken. Um, I think every immigrant to the United States understands that. And anybody from the United States who's been somewhere else. Teresa and I went to, um, we went to Cancun for our honeymoon. And uh, I can, re- I still remember we went to Cancun. And of course, I'm not the guy who's just going to stay at the hotel and, you know, chill by the pool. Like, I'm an adventure. So we jumped on a bus and headed into town. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, now I've been, done mission trips and I've been in situations like this, but this was, a, this was probably one of the more interesting situations. So we were on a bus and we went into Cancun, the town, like in the, into downtown, um, talking to people, uh, rubbing shoulders with people, went, went to the grocery store, picked up some groceries. Like it was really interesting. So we're there and we don't speak fluently Spanish. At, at best, it's very broken. And, um, you know, we can find our way to the bathroom and we can find our way. That's one of the first things they teach you. Uh, but this is important, right? Donde esta el baño? Like, tell me where that bathroom is. And uh, we did, but we didn't know a lot of Spanish. So, but I can tell you that the, the point is this. Being in a different context, in a different place where I didn't, when I heard somebody speak English, oh, my, my ear perks up and I start who is that that's speaking English that I can communicate with, right? It was, until I heard that, I felt like an outsider. I'm, I'm outside. I'm, I'm out of the bubble. I don't belong here. This isn't my context. But then I hear somebody speaking a language that I know, and I'm drawn to that. All of a sudden, now I'm included. I have a circle. I have somebody that gets me that I can engage with. So I think part, also part of the miracle of Pentecost, whenever they were speaking in language that they, everybody understood, was it drew people to them. If everybody who was there spoke Aramaic only, which is uh, what they were speaking coming out of Galilee, then it wouldn't have been a big deal. It would have just been some more street preachers hollering in the air, right? But people were coming around and they were like, I don't, just like us in Cancun, I don't understand what anybody here is saying. I don't, wait a minute, there's somebody talking in my language. And then, you know, somebody who speaks Spanish standing next to me, and somebody who speaks Portuguese, and somebody who speaks Korean, and somebody who speaks, and they're all like, I understand too, I understand too, I understand too. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God makes a ton of sense because everybody is included, everybody feels welcome. All of a sudden, it is all of our context, right? Does that make sense? That was, that was also part of the miracle, was God was drawing everybody into the same context, so they all understood, they all perceived, they all, it was a miracle. It was crazy and it was awesome. I can only imagine what was happening there. So the mission of the church is to communicate the message. And I think we need to do whatever we can to communicate the message. The mission has never changed. The moment you became a Christian, the moment I became a Christian, God gave us the mission, the commission to reach people for his kingdom. The moment we got saved, the moment we stepped into his kingdom, he's like, good, welcome to the family, now do the same. Repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. That's, that's, what, that's what he's doing to us. And so this also is why I believe that as a church we need to do our best to help people who do speak other language to be um, feel incorporated into our context to understand that we want to do our best to make all people of all language and dialects and race and ethnicity to all feel included because that is the kingdom of God our, the church exists to reach people right are we reaching people are we seeing lives transformed the way we will see lives transformed is when we communicate the love of God. Then people's lives will be transformed. All right, so we're asking the question, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Two more reasons. 
One reason is we need the Holy Spirit to be, give us the power to witness. He can give us the power to witness. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and then 8, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is how we know they were praying. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. They didn't know exactly, they could not have comprehended exactly what this gift was. They knew the Holy Spirit was coming, but they didn't know what he was going to do for them. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Have you ever noticed that when something that uses electricity isn't plugged in, it doesn't work? <laughs> something you've noticed? I had a, have a lamp by my bedside, probably you do too, or maybe you don't. I do. I have a lamp by my bedside, and I went to click it on one day and it didn't work and I was like what's going on with my lamp dumb light bulb go to the closet get a light bulb put a light bulb in click 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 and why is it that they make the lamps click like four times before it comes on once I'll never understand that you know the one by the bed click 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 yeah then it comes on so and, but it didn't come on again I, what is going on and I looked down and it just wasn't plugged in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you feel silly, right? It's like when you call customer service and they say, did you reboot it? Like your phone or your computer? Did you, did you restart it? That's the first thing they're going to say. Hey, did you restart that computer? Uh, no. Well, restart it, then call me back. You restart it and it works. It's like, is it plugged in? Duh. Oh, no, it's not plugged in. Like disconnected from the electricity. So I just want you to understand, you understand that, but put some... Put some context to that, right? A lot of Christians are disconnected from the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're walking over to the lamp and they're click, 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 clicking it and nothing's happening. Why isn't it happening? We're gonna change light bulbs. New church. Plug that. No, I still click, 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 click. Nothing's happening. What's going on? I don't know. Are you plugged into the power? Have you found the Holy Spirit to be somebody who's involved in, you, in your life? His power helps us to complete the task He's given us. Complete the task in His power, not in our ingenuity. I can tell you that as a church, we, we need volunteers, right, for everything. Like we're volunteer driven. We need volunteers. We can't hire every single thing that happens in the church. So, you know, we need people to work in the children's department. And we need nursery workers and Sunday school teachers. And we need uh, youth help. And we need people at teen camp and at kids camp and at VBS. Like, we need all these volunteers. We can't create a—this is just the truth. We can't create a program that draws people in with our own ingenuity because it's just not going to work well. The Holy Spirit speaks to y'all like he does to me. And he calls us all to volunteer and to do our parts. He's gifted each of you, and we're going to talk more about gifts in the fall, but he's gifted each of you with specific gifts to operate within the church. Paul uses the analogy of hands and feet. Some of you are hands, and some of you are feet, and some of you are the head, and some of you are like a, a rib bone. And so, like we all have different parts to play in the body of Christ. God has gifted you to use those things. And if, but if you're not plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit, you're never going to know what that gift is because it's out of that power that your gifting emerges. You can see from Scripture that God didn't dare to ask His people to do His work without giving them the ability to do it. He didn't call me and say, hey, I want you to... Well, He knew I couldn't have been a preacher 
in the very beginning, <laughs> at best, a youth pastor, you know, the low end. <laughs> Sorry, we got, a, we got the high end youth pastor here. I just want you to know. Uh, but I'm joking. As a youth pastor, though, like, I couldn't have stepped immediately into the role of a pastor. That wasn't my gifting. But as I grew with the Holy Spirit, and as I was plugged into His power, and as He changed, changed me and gifted me, then my gifts changed, and I grew into, and I, into this. And, you know, maybe gifts still change, and who knows what God has for me and for you. And we just stay plugged into his spirit. Acts 1.8 sums it up. Apart from the Holy Spirit, no one can preach the gospel as God wants them to. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot do what he wants us to do. With the Holy Spirit, we can make all the difference. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, my message, and this is one of my favorites, Richie and Ned, you know this. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I love that. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Have you ever persuaded somebody to do something? You convinced them. You sold them on an idea. I've done it to the—I have convinced somebody to follow Jesus— I have sold them. Like, you need to follow Jesus. Convince them like a salesman would. They, they start to follow Jesus and it just doesn't work out because it can't be with wise and persuasive words. It has to be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be. We've got to be plugged into that power and then a demonstration. We click the light bulb on and everybody's like, oh, the power is amazing. Right? Man, the, the, there's an inner mechanism that makes all the difference. For the Christian, the Holy Spirit is our inner mechanism and he will help us make a difference to the world. All right, and here's the last thing. We're getting close. Finally, we need to be transformed. Our church needs to be transformed. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts 2 says, we read it, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Fire is a symbol of transformation. I mean, I got to tell you, and I'll be honest, and one day maybe this is going to happen and we're going to all be freaked out. But I pray every single Pentecost that God would give to us what he gave to them on the first day. Can you imagine we're here and we're praying and you see literally tongues of fire. You hear in an enclosed sounds of wind. You would all say, oh, is the air conditioner working again? <laughs> Soon, soon, one week away. Fire is a symbol of transformation. Fire changes whatever it touches. Listen, the Holy Spirit took a group of fishermen and former prostitutes and tax collectors and ex-religious leaders, family members of Jesus and his other disciples, and he united them into a group that we call the church today. If you were starting an organization, he started the wrong way. 
He took all of the lowly and the working class and the, the bottom of the total. He took, that's who he took and that's who he built the church on. And over 2,000 years later, we are here celebrating what Jesus did through the Holy Spirit or what the Holy Spirit did through those people that had no business starting a revolution of an organization. But that's what he did. So you may sit there and say, well, I don't have all the gifts. You don't have to. These guys were, did you hear the list? Fishermen, prostitutes, ex-religious leaders, tax collectors. Like, they, they, were, they were not high society. Do you know why I think that is? I think that for people who need much, the Holy Spirit can deliver much. But those of us who don't need very much, he has a harder time reaching. So we've got to keep ourselves hungry. We've got to keep ourselves needing. We've got to stay humble. We've got to stay, we've got to try to stay on the bottom. That's why Jesus is always talking about the, the servant leadership. The last will be first. What he's trying to get us to understand is if you want to be the, the biggest and the best in the kingdom, then you've got to be the, the, the least. You've got to serve everybody. It's an upside down pyramid. It's not right side up where you climb to the top of the pyramid. It's where you, you're climbing your way to the bottom. And when you're on that bottom of the pyramid, that's when you've reached the top. Before Pentecost, they were scared. They lacked faith. They didn't understand. After Pentecost, they were united as never before. Society is not going to be transformed until we are transformed. And I know you guys are looking at the same society I'm looking at, and you're like, man, they need Jesus. The only way that happens is when we get Jesus, right? Like it's an indictment on the church. What are we doing to reach people? So this morning, the Bruno and the band, they're going to come up. And, you know, we're going to end with communion today and prayer. You can see that. And I'll let those who are helping with communion kind of get to your place. Because what I want to do, I'm going to, I want you to spend some time in prayer this morning before going to get your communion.